Well, this morning we begin our new series, Earn, Save, Give All You Can. And you might remember that last year this was the theme of our stewardship campaign, Earn, Save, Give All You Can. Um, we believe John Wesley's, Bill and I, we believe that John Wesley's advice from his sermon, uh, The Use of Money, is one uh, that's really timeless. It's stuck with the United Methodist Church for a long time now. And so we take it up again this year. And I'll remember you, remind you um, of that. That advice. Wesley says that we ought to, having first gained all that we can, and secondly saved all that we can, then give all that we can. I'm going to say that again. Wesley says, having first gained all you can, and secondly saved all you can, then Give all you can. Now, I don't know about you, but whenever it comes uh, to stewardship time in the church, everyone gets kind of antsy. Do you ever get that feeling um, like it's it's August and we haven't talked about money yet and uh, August rolls through and it's September and people are going, we haven't talked about money yet. Um, and it's not excited, right? No one's excited for these sermon series, are they? Uh, most of the time they're trying to think, when's the best time for me to duck out so I don't have to hear this one? Um, <laughs> we're, we're at church. We can be honest, right? Okay, we're going we're gonna to be honest. Because the church uh, has, has not gotten it right very often when it comes to giving and how to address the way people interact and relate with money. Normally, churches don't even address earning or saving when they talk about money. They talk about giving, and usually those stewardship, those stewardship sermons, they dwell on the concept of a tithe. Um, and most of the time, those sermons are aimed to congratulate those who have given and to convict those who haven't given and to convince newcomers that they should give like those who've been congratulated and not the other group. And so one third of the church walks out of the service feeling great for what they've already done. <laughs> and one third of the church walks out upset, angry, confused, and put out because what the preacher said. And the one third who was new to the church said, what just happened? This is what happens. This is what happens during stewardship sermons, friends. I'm just going to be honest about it this morning. Well, the point of this sermon series and these next two, excuse me, these next two weeks is not to congratulate or to convict or to convince. The point is for each of us to begin to gain a more well-rounded perspective on money, life, and faith. Because the truth is those three things are very, very interconnected. And if we approach money from the right perspective, we'll not only be blessed, but we'll find ourselves in the position to be a blessing to others. This is who God calls us to be. So this week and next week, we're going to be talking about money. And we're going to be talking about commitment. And I want to be very upfront about that. And I also want to be upfront about saying that our church has a budget. Yes, it does cost money for us to do ministry and to put on programs, yes. But before I get to why you should give, I want to begin by telling you why you shouldn't give to the church. Are you ready? Are you ready? If you are, take out the pen or pencil in front of you. Uh, pull out a, a scratch sheet of paper because we're going to talk about why you shouldn't give to the church. Not why you should, why you should not give. Number one reason that you should not give to the church 
you shouldn't give to the church because we have a budget. You shouldn't. As I already said, it, it costs money to do ministry, but just because we have a budget doesn't mean that you should give. Lots of organizations have budgets. Taco Bell has a budget. But you don't give to Taco Bell, do you? Just because the church has a budget doesn't mean that you should give. Lots of organizations have budgets. In fact, every organization that I would even consider giving to has a budget. But having a budget is a terrible reason to give. The second reason that you shouldn't give is you shouldn't give because you like me or because you like Bill or you like the sound of the organ or the choir or the piano. You shouldn't give because you like the way we do things around here. It's a bad reason to give. Do you want to know why? Because one day I'm going to move. And one day Bill is going to move. And one day the organ's not going to work and the piano's going to be out of tune. And if we're a church that's growing and a church that's moving 10 years from now, we're not going to be doing things the same way we're doing them now. And that's a good thing. So please, please, please don't give to the church because you like me or Bill or the way we do things around here. That's flattering. Thank you. But <laughs> but it's a terrible reason to give. It's a terrible reason to give. Number three, you shouldn't give because you feel guilty. You shouldn't give because you feel guilty. Guilt is the last thing Bill or I want you to feel about giving. And I'm pretty certain that guilt is the last feeling that God wants you to have about giving. Nowhere in Scripture does it say that God loves a guilty giver. It's just not there. No, God loves a cheerful giver, and God doesn't ever ask us to do anything out of guilt or some twisted sense of duty or obligation. Don't give. Please don't give because you feel guilty. The fourth reason you shouldn't give to the church. You shouldn't give to try to get into heaven. First of all, it won't work. It won't work. That will not get you into the kingdom of heaven. No amount of money, even given to the grandest of schemes or plans in the church, can be a substitute for having a growing and vital relationship with Jesus Christ. Second of all, God offers us salvation free of charge. You ever had somebody try to pay you for something that you were trying to give them? Have you ever had that situation happen in your life? Where you're trying to give something away? Choir, have you had this happen? You're trying to give something away and the person who's receiving it's like, well, can I give you $10? How do you feel whenever they say that? feels weird, right? It's awkward. You want to you give a gift to somebody, but they want to pay. It's almost insulting, isn't it? It's pretty insulting to God whenever we want to pay for something that He offers to us freely. Giving to get into heaven is a bad reason. It's a terrible reason to give because it won't work. But as the title of this sermon says, money matters. And I've made Bill and the members of the finance committee sweat enough by telling you why you shouldn't give this morning. So we're going to move on. Money matters. It really does. If you want to know what you value most, Take out your bank statement at the end of this month and take a look at it. Look at where your money went. The places where your money goes will tell you what you value most. If you want to know what your church values most, pull out the budget and take a look. Where does most of the money go? What are we doing with what we have been given? Money matters. It shows us what matters 
most to us. Money matters also because money is a tool and money can be used to do great good or great harm. Money doesn't care what you do with it, but money is a powerful tool. So I'm not going to stand here and tell you that money doesn't matter. Money matters. It, in fact, matters a lot. So much so that Jesus speaks on money more than any other topic in the Gospels. Money matters, but not for the reasons that you often hear stated in church. Often when preachers or leaders talk about money and giving, they talk about what doing your duty or giving your fair share, paying back for what's been given to you. None of these things make sense. And all in all, they end up being terrible reasons to give. So let's take a few minutes this morning and look at how we might learn to give in a way that honors God, that enables ministry, and that expands God's kingdom. We want to be able to give in a way that honors God, that enables ministry, and expands God's kingdom. So this morning, I want you to hear from Psalm 116 again, but this time I want you to hear verses 1 through 6 and verses 12 to 18 from the message paraphrase. And as I read, I hope you begin to pick up on why the psalmist has chosen to give. He writes, I love God because he listened to me, listened as I begged for mercy. He listened so intently as I laid out my case before him. Death stared me in the face. Hell was hard on my heels. Up against it, I didn't know which way to turn. Then I called out to God for help. Please, God, I cried out. Save my life. God is gracious. It is He who makes things right, our most compassionate God. God takes the side of the helpless. When I was at the end of my rope, God saved me. So what can I give back to God for the blessings He's poured out on me? I'll lift up high the cup of salvation in a toast to God. I'll pray in the name of God. I'll complete what I promised God I'd do, and I'll do it together with God's people. When they arrive at the gates of death, God welcomes those who love Him. Oh God, here I am, your servant, your faithful servant. Set me free for your service. I'm ready to offer the thanksgiving sacrifice and pray in the name of God. I'll complete what I promise God I'll do. And I'll do it in the company of his people. The psalmist gets it. He gets to the heart of why we should give, why we should be givers. We should give as a gracious response to what God has done for us. And God continues to do in us and through us. We should give as a gracious response to what God has done, what God is doing, and what God will do. It's all about a response. It's not about a guilt trip. It's not about trying to make the budget balance. It's not about paying your way into heaven. Our giving should be a gracious response to God. Because what God asks for is not just 10% of what we bring in. God asks for our whole lives. Our whole lives offered in gracious response to what He has done for us and in us and continues to do through us. 
What did God do for the psalmist? The psalm says He saved his life, but we don't know how or from what. But what we do know is that in response to what God has done, this person has decided to give all he can to God, to lift up a toast to the one who saved him, to pray in the name of God, and to offer a sacrifice to God. But this isn't something that he does alone. I love it that the psalmist goes back again and again to say that I will do this with the company with those who are praising God together. His response to God isn't an individual act, it's a communal act that He will join in with others and invite others to graciously respond to what God has done for Him and what God is doing in their lives. Our giving, first and foremost, is a response to what God has done for us. Because God has given so much we in turn return thanks by giving. But that's not all our giving is. Our giving is a way that we partner with God and with the community of faith in carrying out God's mission. That's the second reason you should give, to partner with God and with the community of faith. If you and I have been saved by God in the same way the psalmist has, if we've been delivered from sin and delivered from death, then part of our motivation for giving is that others might have that same experience, that same deliverance from sin, that same deliverance from death, that same feeling of community and hope and justice. This is why we give. We don't give to a budget or to a building or to a program or to a minister. We give to the mission, the mission of God, the greatest mission the greatest mission that others who are trampled and beat up and broken down by life might see the salvation of God for themselves. This, this is why we give. You and I, we should give as a grateful response to God. We should give so that others can experience God's love and can learn of God's goodness. We should give because we believe in the mission of the church that God has called us to make faithful followers of Jesus Christ. Not so that we can have higher attendance on Sunday mornings, but so that we can transform the world. This is why we give. We give to make a difference in the lives of others. And we give as a gracious response to God. And your giving, even your giving this morning, goes to do that. If you didn't know it, part of what you give each week is sent off from this church. Our church is a giving church. We give to the United Methodist Church that mission and ministry might be carried out in this world. We give so that malaria can be eradicated around the world. We give so that the United Methodist Committee on Relief can enter into some of the most broken places and devastated places in this world to bring hope and healing. We give so that Vacation Bible School can happen in the Dominican Republic. We give so that children in Afghanistan can get paper and pencil that they might learn to read and write and so combat dictatorships and, and combat the oppression that they experience every day, we give in response to God that others might experience what we know and what we have experienced. 
And so we ask you this year to consider what you will give. Not out of duty, not out of obligation, and certainly not because we have a budget. But in gracious response to what God has done and in hope for what God will do in our lives and in this world. I give to Pittman Park as a gracious response to God. And I give to Pittman Park because I believe, I believe in the mission of the church that we would make faithful followers of Jesus Christ and in so doing transform the world. Would you pray with me this morning? Lord, forgive us forgiving for all the wrong reasons. Forgive us for thinking that giving is all about us. The truth is, it's all about You and what You're doing in our lives and in this world. So God, help us in these coming days as we consider how we'll respond to all that You've done on our behalf. Help us to give as those who've been brought forth from death to life. Help us to give as those who would reach out to others that they too might experience your salvation and your hope. Lord, be with us as we continue in worship this morning. This we pray in the name of Christ, our Savior and our Lord. Amen.